0: Palm Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter. Are you excited? Yes. All right. One of the best times of the year. Um, During this Holy Week, we're going to be working through the Stations of the Cross, 7 a.m., 7 p.m. It's not from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Let me just clarify. Okay. 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., 15 minutes. That's it. 7 a.m. to 7.15 in the morning, 7 p.m. to 7.15 at night on Zoom. Jump on. If you're a little bit late, you might miss it because it's only 15 minutes. But I want to encourage you to to come and different people will will be sharing various reflections morning and evening. It's all different. Every single morning, every single evening is all different. Um, Come and let's reflect on the cross. Let's reflect on the finished work of Calvary. Uh, together, uh, throughout this Holy week after the service day, as you heard, if you want to join some people to go and invite our community, please see Elaine Philip after the service, uh, today. And we want to continue to share the love and grace of Jesus. Now today's Palm Sunday. And as we remember Jesus's triumphal entry into, uh, Jerusalem, uh, I want to reflect back as well to another very important Jewish holiday a very important day in Jewish history. And that's a day called Yom Kippur. It's known as the Day of Atonement. And so today's glimpse of Calvary takes us back to the Day of Atonement and how the high priest made intercession for the people through sacrifice. It's probably the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. It usually falls around October or so uh, in the calendar year. Uh and and it's a day that the high priest would go into the into the veil. Now, if you're joining with us in our Lent devotional, which I hope you are, uh, and if you texted the word priest earlier on this week, you would have received a number of verses uh uh this week about Jesus, our high priest, uh, and how he has made atonement for us, uh, and so beautifully how Abigail read the scripture for us this morning. But I want to take you uh first on a journey through the, the tabernacle. Um, now, the tabernacle is something that was, uh, that Moses constructed according to God's commandment. And you can see in this picture here, um, if I can just, let me see, I got my pointer here. So if you look at this screen here, you can see uh, this area here is known as the outer court. Okay. And inside here is known as the holy place and the most holy place. You see this pillar of fire that represented the presence of God. In the nighttime, it was a pillar of fire. In the daytime, it was a pillar of uh, cloud. Um, Now, to get into this outer court, just to come through this gate here, okay, if you take all of humanity, to get into the outer court, you had to be a person of Jewish descent. So you have all of humanity. Now you narrow it down just to people that are children of uh, Jacob, children of Israel. Okay. That's, that's in the outer court. You can see there's an altar that's there. You can see from here, this is the outer court, the altar. That's a sacrifice that's going to be offered by the priests first before you get into this place known as the holy place. Okay. Now, To get into this place here, this is inside, this is the holy place, okay? To get into the holy place, you had to be a son of Aaron, one of the priests. So you have all of humanity. You narrow it down just to the children of uh, Jacob, the children of Israel that could get into the outer court. Now to get into the next place, the holy place, you had to be a son of Aaron, one of the priests, That would make you, that would help you to get into here. You'll see here a candlestick. There's a a table of of bread here. There's another altar of incense that's there. But then to get into here, what's known as the most holy place, only one person, only the high priest. Now, if you know, did anyone notice the black curtain there? So this is probably, this is something of what it might look like. this picture here, this is the holy place looking into the most holy place. There's this big curtain. For us today, we have this nice black curtain that represents that curtain, okay? And so all, you have all of humanity narrowed down to just the children of Israel that can get into the outer court. Then out of the children of Israel, just the sons of Aaron can get into the holy place. And then out of that, out of, out of Aaron and his sons, only one person, the high priest, when Aaron was alive, that was him. When he died, then it went to his eldest son. And when he died, it went to his eldest son. Only one person could go into the most holy place. So see you guys, okay? You guys figure things out. I'm going to be with Jesus with the light. I'm going to be over here. Enjoying the presence of God. I'm in the holy. I'm not in the holy place. I'm in the most holy place. I don't know. You guys are somewhere else, but I'm here enjoying the presence of God within the veil. As the high priest, I'm here offering up a sacrifice. And so once a year on the day of atonement, the high priest would go within the veil. It's really good in there. I'm not going to tell you what's behind there. You got to get to come back on Friday. Because something's going to happen on Friday. Something happened when Jesus died. Something happened that opened up a way, not just for the high priest to go once a year behind the veil, but for all of humanity. It went from all of humanity down to just the children of Israel that could get into the outer court to the sons of Aaron that could get in, Aaron and his sons that could get into the Holy place to just the high priest that could come into the most Holy place. You'll find the story in Leviticus chapter 16 and it talks about this day of atonement. Aaron had to put incense in a, in a, in a sort of a basin uh, with burning coals and when he went in there, here's a picture of what it would, uh, here's a picture of what it would look like of the high priest there in front of what's known as the, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the, the representation of the presence of God, of the glory of God. What's known as the, the Shekinah glory of God. Shekinah is a, a word coined by, by Jewish rabbis. You won't find it in the Bible, but it, it represents the dwelling place of God, the, the dwelling of the Lord. And so Aaron would go and you can see here in this picture, the high priest sprinkling on the Ark of the Covenant to make atonement for, for Aaron and for the children of Israel. And Aaron knew how serious this was because at a previous time in, in, in the main altar in the outer court, when there was an offering, Aaron's sons had offered an, uh, an offering that wasn't accepted by the Lord and fire came and consumed them. So Aaron knew this is a, this is a serious thing. And especially going into the most holy place only once a year, he, he had to make sure that he did everything as God commanded. And in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 7, it says, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people that had, com- that had committed in ing- ignorance. W- wouldn't it seem a little bit unfair What what if I told you that, hey, Daniel's the only one, okay, I'm representing, since I'm the pastor here, I represent the high priest, only I can go behind there? You probably think, well, hey, that's not fair, Daniel. How come you're the only one that can go and experience that? How come you're the only one that can go and see what's happening there? Well, as we've been looking at glimpses of Calvary through this series and seeing how these Old Testament stories represent what Jesus did on Calvary, and we get a little bit of an idea of the fullness of God's blessing in Calvary. I want to look at a few things, a few glimpses here. The first one is that the sacrifice of animals pointed to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. As you saw in one of those previous pictures, they had animals, lambs and goats and doves, and they had to kill those animals as a sacrifice to God. But it actually pointed to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. The the high priest went into the most holy place with the blood of animals. But Jesus, in what we celebrate this week as Easter, in what we remember of Jesus' death on Friday and his resurrection on Sunday morning, when we think of what Jesus did on Calvary, this is what happened. He gave his life as a sacrifice. Hebrews 7 verse 27 says, unlike those other high priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices every day. Those other high priests, because they came in with the blood of animals, they had to offer up sacrifices every day. Once a year into the most holy place, but other days they came to the altar and offered up sacrifices. They did this for their own sins and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. This was a glimpse. All these sacrifices that were offered, all these lambs and goats and doves and animals and and oxen and all of these things that were offered and sacrificed on the altar, they were all pointing to Jesus, the ultimate, the greatest sacrifice, because Jesus went within the veil, not with the blood of animals, but with his own blood. Hebrews 2 says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest. He was the high priest that went in within the veil before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. He offered himself as that sacrifice going within the veil for us. The other high priest, they offered this, uh, the blood of animals But Jesus, in Hebrews 10 says, but our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Those other high priests had to offer continual sacrifices, but Jesus' one sacrifice for all covered all of our sin. Another glimpse that we get is that the failure of the high priest points towards the need for a better high priest to come. We see the the frailty of humanity. We see the frailty of of human high priests in what they can do. And then we also see the beauty of Jesus as our high priest. In Hebrews 7, it says, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever forever. Those high priests, Aaron, he died, and then his son Eliezer became high priest, and then Eliezer died, and then Eliezer's son Phineas became high priest, and Phinehas eventually died as well. And all of these people, one after another, they died, but Jesus lives forever. Therefore, he's able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need. Why? Because unlike those other high priests, he is holy and blameless, unstained from sin. His sacrifice is perfect. Those other high priests first had to come with the blood in order to atone for themselves and for, the, and for their family. But Jesus, with his own blood, holy, perfect, blameless, went into the most holy place for us. He is that better high priest. The frailty of humanity, the frailty of those human high priests pointed towards the need for a better high priest. Pointed towards the need for a blameless high priest. He has been set apart from sinners. He has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Hebrews 4 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness. Those high priests, they just were doing their duty. And maybe they could sympathize or even empathize a little bit with the people that came. But not like our perfect high priest, Jesus, who knows and feels our infirmities, knows our weaknesses. This high priest, Jesus of ours, understands our weakness for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. The beauty of our high priest is that he's blameless and that he feels and empathizes and knows what we feel. He knows the temptation that we feel. Thirdly, the the tabernacle pointed towards the eternal place of worship. Those pictures that we saw, that was just the the outer court and the the holy place and the most holy place. And God gave so much instruction and commands to Moses and told Moses, make it exactly the way I told you. Don't deter from one single way. Why was it so important? Because it was a glimpse. It was a shadow. It was a, a pattern Of the true tabernacle in heaven. And God wanted people to know. As Abigail read in Hebrews 8. Here is the main point. After talking a couple of chapters about the tabernacle. The high priest offerings and sacrifices. The author to the book of Hebrews says this. Here is the main. Don't you love statements like that? Okay. Here is the main point we have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not human hands. Jesus is in the true tabernacle. All of this and all the pictures that you saw, it pointed towards the real thing. It gave us a glimpse, chapter after chapter in the book of Exodus, chapter after chapter in the book of Leviticus, chapter after chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. They are just glimpses. They are just a foreshadowing of the beauty and reality of eternity. Jesus went within the veil. Jesus went into the most holy place to make a way for us. And so the author of the book of Hebrews says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven. See, on, we'll talk about this on Friday. On, on, on Friday when Jesus died on the cross, when he hung there, when he died for you and for me, he went in, not to the earthly tabernacle. Something happened in the earthly tabernacle. That curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place in the earthly tabernacle, it tore in two. But that was just a glimpse. That was just pointing towards the fact that Jesus, he didn't enter the earthly tabernacle. He entered the heavenly tabernacle with his own blood, sat down on the right hand of the father and said, Hey father, I'm here now. My children Here's my blood. Forgive them. Jesus, as our high priest, he has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world with his own blood not the blood of goats and calves, not the blood of animals, Jesus with his own blood, the perfect, sinless, blameless sacrifice of the son of the living God, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The glimpse that we see here is this perfect, sinless man, the son of God, takes his own blood, goes within the veil, and says with his own blood, he has entered the most holy place and has secured our redemption for one year. Until the next day of atonement? No. That's what the high priest had to do year in, year out. Day of atonement, okay, let me offer this, take the blood there of the animals. I'm gonna sacrifice that. I'm gonna offer the blood here, sprinkle it in the, on top of the Ark of the Covenant for the sins of the people, for my sins. Come next year, guess what? Well, there is more sins. I better do this again. I have to do this again. It's commanded to do this again. But Jesus, this is what we remember in Calvary. This is what we celebrate this week. This is what is the story of Easter, the story of the cross, the story of Jesus, that he went into the most holy place with his own blood and secured our redemption forever. Amen. Forever and ever and ever. He doesn't need to go again. Here's another glimpse. The old covenant with animal sacrifices pointed to a new and better covenant with the blood of Jesus. See, we see that in this old covenant, they had to do this and that. It it was so incumbent upon them. You do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. High priest, you do this. Children of Israel, you do this. Followers of of the law, you do this. Oh, that old covenant had too many do's, 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 do's. But Jesus comes along with his own blood, goes into the most holy place, secures eternal redemption for us all, and brings in the new covenant. Now it is no longer Channy, you do this. It is no longer Yvonne, you do this. It's no longer Larry, you do this. It is no longer Vikram, you do this. What is it? God will do it. I will give them a new heart. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You will be my people and I will be your God. This is the new covenant that Jesus makes because he went within the veil. This is the new covenant that Jesus makes because he went with his own blood. He is our blameless, perfect high priest. And he says, I am making a new covenant with you. When we celebrate communion, we drink of that, of that cup, of that juice to represent the blood of Jesus, the new covenant in his blood that Jesus took within the veil. And makes this new covenant for us. Hebrews 8 says. But now Jesus our high priest. Has been given a ministry. That is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us. A far better covenant with God. Based on what? Better promises. Why? Because every time that Daniel says. I promise Jesus I will do this. Without a doubt. Daniel fails. But every time. That Jesus says, I will do this for you, Daniel. Oh, that word is sure. That word is secure. That word will come to pass. That promise will be fulfilled. I will be with you till the end of the age. I will complete the work in you. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. The word of the Lord when it comes from his mouth is sure and steadfast. And the last thing is that the most holy place there within the curtain, within the veil pointed towards the fellowship that God desired to have with his people. Now you might say, Daniel, that doesn't make any sense. How could you say that God desired to have fellowship with his people? Because it went from all of humanity To the children of Israel getting into the outer court. To the sons of Aaron getting into the, Aaron and his sons getting into the holy place. To just Aaron or whoever the high priest was getting into the most holy place. To where the presence of God was, where the Shekinah glory was, where the light was emitting. How can you say it was for everyone? It was just one person. And that just once in a year. Well, God wanted to fellowship with his people. God wanted to fellowship with Israel. And Israel, the children of Israel said, no, 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 Moses, we don't want to hear God's voice. You go, Moses. And whatever God tells you, Moses, we will do. And they didn't even do that. But in Hebrews, it says, by these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. See, while that Old Testament Priesthood and law and covenant was still in effect. You and I couldn't make it in there. But Jesus, but Jesus, when he on the cross of Calvary, when he hung there and when he willingly laid down his life for you and for me and went within the veil, with his own blood and the veil was torn into. When the curtain, that barrier that represented, the the barrier that represented that, that separation, our sin separated us from God. Our sin separated us from the light of Jesus. Oh, that light that was trying to shine. The light that was trying to come out, oh, it was was blocked. Our sins separated us from God. There there was this way that we couldn't come without Jesus making a way for us. And that's why in Matthew 27, it says, then Jesus shouted out again as he released the spirit at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary, this curtain, not this one specifically. But this curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn into two from the top to the bottom. Come back on Friday. We're going to have candles and something else as well. So now we can boldly go to the throne of grace. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain, through the curtain, into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts Fully trusting him. God has made a way for us to fellowship with him. To approach to that light. To come to the very glory of God. See, if you look at the tabernacle, this is the outer court, remember. The outer court was illuminated by the natural sunlight. It was illuminated by the the sunlight that was around there. It speaks to us of how all of us are given a certain measure of faith and understanding. All of us are given a, a conscience to understand right and wrong. It's, it's the natural understanding he gives to all of, all of humanity. But then you get into the most holy place. And if you see in the most holy place, there's the, the light in the most, sorry, the light in the holy place here. The holy place is illuminated by what's called a candlestick. And the candlestick represents the church. We studied about that when we did our series on the seven churches. And the candlestick represents the church and the light that comes from the church. And so it's incumbent on us to shine that light as the church. And so that's why it's important to gather together. That's why it's important to fellowship together, to do life together. We have life groups. We have Sunday worship because the light that we get from one another within the church helps us. And sometimes we need to be corrected by your life group leader or by your pastor. Well, it's the light of the word of God that's shining into your life. And sometimes we need correction. Sometimes we need to be guided back onto the right path. Well, we get that in the community of faith. We get that being in in a community like this uh, as uh, fellow believers. As we walk together, as we have elders that are over us, that watch over us as well, that give us guidance and counsel. And so this is the light of the church. This is why the word of God is preached from this, I would say pulpit, but this music stand, right? The word of God is preached here. And sometimes we might not like it, but it's the light that's going to shine. It's the truth of the word of God. And it illuminates us. But do you know what else happens? Is that when you go here into the most holy place, there's another light that's there. It's not the natural sunlight. It's not the light that comes from the candlestick. It's the light of the glory of God. It was a pillar of fire during the night. It was a cloud of, a pillar of cloud during the day, but it brought light. Can you see it a little bit? Just a tiny bit, hold on, I need some more light. I got to finish this message, right? So here it's the light of the glory of God. It's the Shekinah glory of God. It's the light that is illuminating the most holy place. Not a natural sunlight, but God told Moses, He said, I will meet with you there in, the, in, in, this, in front of the Ark of the Covenant to talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubims. You saw the Ark of the Covenant, and there are two cherubims that were there that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. See, that's where the presence of God was. And if we look and if we understand John, in the gospel of John, Jesus said this, Jesus said, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. See friends, in the outer court, it was, it was just the sunlight, And in the holy place, it was the light of the candlestick. But in the most holy place, it was the light of God. It was Jesus, the light of the world. And so in Matthew, it talks about as Jesus walked about at that time when he was here in this world. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. The people that sat in darkness, they saw a great light. It was glimpses, it was glimpses of light that came from the most holy place. It was glimpses of light that came from Jesus, the son of God who came down to this earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. We saw the glory of God. And that's why Paul says in Corinthians, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, this is so amazing. Can't see it yet. This is so amazing. Amazing. Because Jesus went into the most holy place, into the tabernacle, the temple of the living God. He went into the most holy place and he tore the veil, made a way for all of us to come to the most holy place. And Paul says here, God now is shining his light in our hearts. The face of Jesus shining in our hearts, illuminating our hearts to the character of God, to the love of God the peace of God isn't that amazing the outer court just had the sunlight the holy place just had the the light of the candlestick but the most holy place had the light of God the glory of God do you know the most amazing thing if that's not amazing enough do you know what the most amazing thing is look at what it says in Revelation chapter 21 In eternity, I saw no temple in the city. The house of God that God told Moses to build, outer court, holy place, most holy place, just a glimpse, just a shadow, just a pattern, just pointing towards the actual eternal city, pointing towards the actual eternal things, the eternal tabernacle that God had already made. That was the real thing. The tabernacle in the wilderness was the shadow. The tabernacle in the wilderness was the glimpse. The day of atonement was just the glimpse of what was gonna happen at Calvary. And so it says here, in eternity, in the book of Revelation, I saw no temple in the city. There, there's no need for a tabernacle. Why? For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or moon. For the glory of God illuminates the city. And the Lamb is its today, God wants to shine his light in our lives. God wants to shine his light in our hearts. God wants to illuminate us to the beauty of Jesus. Jesus went within the veil. He tore that veil in two to let the light shine out, to let the light come out, the light of the glory of God. To come out for all to see. No longer just for the high priest to see. No longer just for Daniel to get a glimpse. No, it's for everyone. The light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As Jesus walked in this world, as we read that verse. They that sat in darkness saw a great light. They saw the face of Jesus. They saw the glory of God as Jesus had compassion on people, as Jesus healed people, as Jesus loved people, as Jesus embraced the leper, as Jesus cast out the demons, as Jesus brought the disenfranchised, the outcast back into the family of God. They saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus. This is the story of Easter. This is the story of Jesus. And it's the power of the gospel to change our lives, to drive out darkness from us and bring light and illumination to us, for us to see and know the glory of God. Worship team, please come. Hebrews 6 says, This hope, this hope in Jesus. This hope in our high priest is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. What does this hope do? It leads us through the curtain, through that curtain, into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest. He's gone within the veil. Can we go now? Within that veil? Can we go now? See the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See the light of Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. We're going to sing this song, King of Kings. I, I, I love some of these words. It says, in the darkness, we were waiting without hope, without light. Then Jesus, you came. We were without hope. We were without light and Jesus came within the veil. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, you saw to the other side of the veil in your suffering as he was there hanging on the cross, he knew I'm gonna see the other side. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna break through that veil. I'm gonna come into the presence of God and make and secure eternal redemption for all of us, forever with one offering. You saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation. Jesus, for our sake, you died. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord.